0: This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Ukrainian forces may have to retreat entirely from the Luhansk province in the east of the country to avoid being surrounded, according to a local governor. It is Vladimir Putin's goal to capture the Luhansk and Donetsk provinces, collectively known as the Donbas region, in full. On Saturday, a Communist Party deputy in Vladivostok in Russia's Far East, defying his party's line, called on Mr. Putin to stop the war. Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, said he was livid about the police's response to a mass shooting at a school on Tuesday. Officers waited an hour after arriving at the school before confronting the gunman. Donald Trump told the National Rifle Association's annual convention in Houston that the existence of evil was, quote, no reason to disarm law-abiding citizens, unquote. The ex-president criticized Democrats for wanting tighter gun controls and Mr. Abbott for withdrawing from the event. A federal judge dismissed a lawsuit by Donald Trump attempting to halt the New York Attorney General's probe into alleged fraud at his real estate business. It was the second legal defeat for America's former president in two days. On Thursday, he was ordered to testify under oath in the civil investigation. Previously, the state prosecutor's office said some kind of enforcement action against Mr. Trump and his business would probably come soon. America imposed new sanctions on entities linked to North Korea's weapons program, including two Russian banks and a North Korean company. North Korea has recently increased its testing of rockets, including banned intercontinental ballistic missiles, and is preparing to test a nuclear device, according to the South Korean government. On Thursday, China and Russia vetoed implementing stricter sanctions through the United Nations Security Council. Japan said that it would accept some tourists again, having kept its borders closed for two years in response to COVID-19. Visitors from 98 countries and regions will be allowed as part of tour groups from June 10th, though some may have to quarantine. Travel restrictions for foreign residents, business travelers, and international students have already been relaxed. Iran seized two Greek-flagged oil tankers in the Persian Gulf. The action appears to have been payback for Greece's role helping America confiscate oil shipments from an Iranian-flagged ship in Greek waters earlier this week. Greece's foreign ministry accused Iran of acts of piracy. China's foreign minister, Wang Yi, visited Samoa, where he signed an economic and technical cooperation agreement with the Pacific Islands leaders. Mr. Wang, who is on a 10-day tour of the region, then headed to Fiji. China's diplomatic push in the Pacific has caused alarm in Australia and New Zealand. In March, the Solomon Islands signed a security agreement with China. And word of the week, jubilee, a celebration of stasis. Britain is preparing to mark the Queen's 70 years on the throne.
1: And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Hearing Australia's Aboriginals. 55 years ago, Australians voted in a referendum to remove a clause in the Constitution that excluded Aboriginals from the national census. Each year, the country commemorates the anniversary of that milestone with National Reconciliation Week, which began on Friday. Now, Australia's new government wants to hold another referendum on Aboriginal rights. Anthony Albanese, who was sworn in as Labour Prime Minister on May 23rd, wants to implement the, quote, Uluru Statement, which was issued in 2017 by Indigenous leaders who sought more power over the laws and policies that concern them. Among the statement's demands is a call for the establishment of a, quote, First Nations voice enshrined in the Constitution. Aboriginals make up about 3% of Australia's population and are disadvantaged in almost every measure. This, their leaders argue, is because they are not, quote, heard. The previous government dismissed the statement's call on the grounds that establishing a, quote, voice risked competing with the two existing legislative chambers. In reality, any new body would probably be advisory. But Mr. Albanese wants to answer the Uluru statements, quote, patient, gracious call, with a referendum on whether to set up such an advisory body within three years. Donald Trump visits the cowboy state. On Saturday, Wyomingites may swap their usual cowboy hats for Make America Great Again baseball caps when Donald Trump arrives for a rally in Casper. The former president will campaign for Harriet Hagerman, a lawyer who has earned a reputation for taking on environmental regulation. Miss Hagerman hopes his popularity, 70% of Wyomingites supported Mr. Trump in 2020, will help her defeat Liz Cheney in the Republican primary this August for the state's sole congressional seat. Miss Cheney has had a target on her back ever since she voted to impeach Mr. Trump, after his supporters ransacked the Capitol building on January 6th, 2021. Once the third-ranking Republican in the House of Representatives, her break from the party orthodoxy saw her demoted. She is one of only two Republican members of a House committee investigating the Capitol riot. Ms. Hagerman herself was once a, quote, never-Trumper. At the Republican National Convention in 2016, she plotted ways to try to deny Mr. Trump the nomination. Her newfound allegiance reflects the enduring power of Mr. Trump's support in one of America's reddest states. Ukrainian refugees return home. On Monday, Lelia Kayedzik, a special representative from the Council of Europe, will visit Poland to meet Ukrainian refugees. She may find many of them packing up. Some say the country is now safe, or at least safer than at any time since the war started. Some were unable to find work abroad. Many simply missed loved ones. Whatever their motive, lots of the nearly 6.7 million Ukrainians forced to flee their country by Russia's invasion are heading home. Nearly all are women and children, since men of fighting age were not allowed to leave Ukraine. In the week to May 25th, the number of Ukrainian returnees from Poland, 198,000, exceeded arrivals, 150,000. Other countries that border Ukraine are seeing a similar trend many refugees will return when the war ends. According to one survey, only 17% of the Ukrainian refugees in Poland, which hosts more than anywhere else, say they want to settle there permanently. Still, with the course of the war uncertain, even those heading home accept that they may need to escape Russian bombs once again. Digitizing Africa's Cultural Heritage Timbuktu conjures up images of gold and Saharan caravans, but the Malian desert city was also a flourishing center of knowledge. Between the 11th and 18th century, scholars in Timbuktu produced some 450,000 manuscripts on subjects ranging from music to slavery. When jihadist violence threatened to destroy them in 2012, Abdelkader Haidara, a historian, began secretly transporting the fragile books to Bamako, Mali's capital. Since then, locals have worked with Google to digitize these remarkable records. Now, anyone can leaf through a virtual selection of them on the tech giant's site. The curious can also explore the mighty mudbrick mosque of Jenne in 3D, or wander virtually through Nubian pyramids of Sudan. Meanwhile, earlier this month, Ghana's new Museum of Pan-African Heritage unveiled a digital gallery ahead of its formal opening next year. Such online initiatives help to preserve heritage in remote or unstable regions and make it easier to explore Africa's diverse cultures. Weekend Profile Sir Michael Lockett, Britain's official party monster. Who better to portray Queen Elizabeth II than a 22-year-old Singaporean dancer? On June 5th, Janice Ho will play the future monarch as a young princess dancing with a 21-foot dragon puppet in an elaborate pageant in central London to mark the climax of the Platinum Jubilee celebrations. Miss Ho, who was selected for the role, say the organisers, to reflect the, quote, makeup of Britain and London today. Following more traditional fairs such as military bands, the Dragon Dance sets the tone for a day-long carnival, the highlight of four days of hoopla and holiday on the 70th anniversary of the Queen's ascension to the throne. And as so often for such national events, Sir Michael Lockett will be at the heart of it all. Meanwhile, some 150 official, quote, national treasures, including fellow nonagenarian Sir David Attenborough, will help Her Majesty party. There will be a retro fashion show of Britain's tribes, Jivers, punks, and ravers, and an interpretation of the 1953 coronation in quote, Afro-Caribbean style. Finally, the Queen will be serenaded by Ed Sheeran, a pop star. This eclectic mix of ancient and modern pomp and pop, flair and tradition has become the hallmark of Britain's post-imperial ceremonies, and Sir Michael has been involved in almost all of them. The lean, unassuming 74-year-old is at the helm of this pageant as co-chairman. He also helped steer the Golden Jubilee concerts at Buckingham Palace in 2002 and the Diamond Jubilee's Thames River Pageant 10 years later. Sir Michael's events company also helped organise the opening and closing ceremonies of the London Olympics in 2012. He opened the Shard and oversaw the inaugural New Year's Eve fireworks at the London Eye. The country rarely parties without Sir Michael. He admits to being an, quote, obsessive, waking up in the small hours to worry about his to-do list. The son of an army officer, Sir Michael, chose to go straight into business rather than attend university. He says that storytelling is the most powerful means of communication. And on June 5th, he hopes to be telling not just the story of, quote, an incredible life, but also, quote, the second Elizabethan age. The winners of this week's quiz Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners chosen at random from each continent were Asia Izumi Waki, Tokyo, Japan North America Jane Goes, Kie, Hawaii, United States Central and South America Chelso, Covre, Brasilia, Brazil Europe Maha Peters, Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Africa, Machaba, Sateke, Clerksdorp, South Africa, Oceania, Linda Hasselhurst, Sydney, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Jimmy Stewart, Avro Lancaster, Hanover, Paul Tudor Jones, and Windsor knot. The theme is British Royal Houses, Stuart, Lancaster, Hanover, Tudor, and Windsor. weekly crossword. Welcome to our new crossword designed for experienced cruciverbalists and newcomers alike. Both sets of clues give the same answers. Cryptic clues. One down. Mancastrian town where sheep droppings come from. Ten. One across. Boris hides inside Indian sage. Five. Two across. Fab South forms German 4. 3. Across. Irish County Romeo gets a dressing. 5. Quick clues. 1. Down. Where Britain saw roistering in 1809. 10. 1. Across. Tory windfall exploiter. 5. 2. Across. The world's largest chemicals company. 4. 3. Across. What Gustavo Petro was in Bogota five. Email all four answers by nine AM BST on Monday to crossword at economist.com along with your home city and country. We will pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent in Friday's edition. Finally, here's a quote of the day from Maya Angelou who died on this day in twenty fourteen. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio.